This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI Senior Writer Al Castle, joined once again by my co-host, Brian Tallman. How's it going? It's going great, Al. Thanks, and glad to be back with you again. Yeah, look, we take a couple of weeks off, and uh, goodness, there's so much to talk about. I mean, just in the, the last 24 hours, uh, before we, we started recording here, uh, we were touching on the fact that we never even talked about the Royal Rumble, and, and that's obviously ancient history. We've got another pay-per-view coming in a few weeks, but... Um, we're talking about the return of Steve Austin. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's how much is, is going on. Uh, so uh, we are going to um, got a lot of news to cover in just a bit. Uh, we'll try to get through. Um, I guess we can't get through all of it, but but a lot of it. Um, and then uh, later on, we'll have some uh, audio uh, from an interview that was featured in a recent issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated that uh, Kevin McElmany, our editor, put together uh, some uh, several weeks ago with Josh Barnett, former UFC heavyweight champion and... Uh, the founder, proprietor of Bloodsport, uh, he did a, a whole feature in a recent issue about Bloodsport, and uh, we've got some of the audio, and uh, lots. there's news going on with Bloodsport these days, uh, too, and uh, Josh, a fascinating figure in pro wrestling, and um, his his vision of pro wrestling for Bloodsport, which not everybody's on board uh, with, but a lot of people are, and it's um, a fascinating vision, so stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, also, let's get the plugs that way. I'm, I'm really anxious to talk, uh, Brian. The, the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, still on newsstands, is the Year in Wrestling uh, Award. It's got AEW uh, stars all over the front and back cover, which is fitting because it was all but a clean sweep um, in the Achievement Awards. We talked about that recently. This is one of kind of our tentpole destination issues, uh, the awards issue. I always say, even you know when I only had a few bucks to my name and couldn't get every issue, um, the 500 was one, and the uh, the year awards issue uh, was another. So pick it up at pwi-online.com. And uh, maybe not quite by the time you're listening to this, but pretty soon, I think next week, uh, the digital edition of our next issue, I think it's the May issue, uh, is coming out. And um, a, a little bit of a preview, it's kind of an international-themed issue, uh, a lot of features. Um, of uh, from different international promotions, a really fun—I won't say who—but a really fun interview uh, that I got to conduct. I think it's the first time that we have interviewed someone in Spanish, uh, which was a a cool treat, uh, a challenge and a treat for me to do. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, what have you got to come in the next um, issue, Brian? Well, let's see. I've got my nostalgic retrospective on early '90s WCW in That's my. Fun. In my column, the way it was, uh, which is that's sort of like a, a favorite period of mine. It's just one that I always defend. So I I, um, I did kind of a little tribute to that. Um, and the lockup, I'm trying to remember what the topic for the lockup was, you know, because we're always a couple of months yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, we I, I recently got, I don't know if Kevin uh, sent to you also the uh, digital edition. Um, yes. So I checked it out. But yeah, I forget myself what's in there. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I'm, I'm actually looking it up right now because I've got it in front of you me. You got me an early um, 90s WCW, which is also... Uh, early more- 90s, yes. WCW and the lockup is... Oh, right. Okay, so in the lockup, 
I'm talking about the importance of wrestling managers and how even though they seem to have been making a mild comeback in some recent years, I still think it's not enough. I think there's a lot of use for them, not only for the wrestlers that need them, but also for talent and people that are. I think there's a lot of people out there that are better suited to being managers than wrestlers. And and that's really something they contribute to the business. And they're being wasted with not enough opportunities for wrestling managers. So that's kind of my um, my topic for the lockup in the in the next issue. How did you become like our our old soul <laughs> of pro wrestling illustrated? It was a very calculated move because I <laughs> because I always remember loving the old content in yeah. pro wrestling illustrated. It was like I always looked for the older stuff because it was like a glimpse of what I didn't know about, you know, it was before my time or whatever. So when I joined up, I just sort of made it my mission to make sure that I kept that aspect of PWI alive yeah. and well. It's right. You're doing a great job. And on, on that note, your your other podcast recently debuted and, and I let you know, I absolutely loved it. Uh, why don't you tell fans where they can find it? Thank you. Yeah, it's called Shut Up and Wrestle, and it's part of the Arcadian Vanguard Network. That's the one that carries the Jim Cornette experience. Um, You can get it directly. The website is suawpod.com, but you can also get it, you know, wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, Podbean. Um, what's the other big one? Um, Apple podcast, of course, you know, just uh, if you search for shut up and rest a little pop up, I just had, um, the third one, actually, by the time this comes out, the third one should be out where I talked to Keith Elliott Greenberg, who's been a guest here a few months ago, someone I've known for a really long time. And the idea is just, it's a, it's about old school wrestling. So if that's the itch you're looking to scratch, then this is the podcast that you want to be checking out. Absolutely, yes. I, I, I haven't gotten past the first one uh, with Stu, and I loved it. Uh, I've downloaded the other ones, and uh, yeah, we'll get to them in the coming days. So absolutely, check that out. And uh, uh, again, check out uh, pwi-online.com. Uh, the way to go is to subscribe. Uh, if you want to order just a one issue, that's fine, either digitally or have it delivered to your home. Uh, but you can get a big discount by subscribing and saving. Uh, do it all at pwi-online.com. If it sounds like I'm kind of phoning in the uh, the plugs, it's because I'm very anxious uh, to talk. We just um, overflowing with sort of news uh, here over the last few weeks. And why don't we we begin with uh, the the newest news, and that was the announcement today, kind of a shocker, um, that Cody Rhodes is done with uh, AEW. There there had been some rumblings for a while because he hadn't re-signed his contract, but um, I think most people thought it was you know kind of formality. Here's a guy who's essentially a co-founder of AEW, an executive vice president, and um, the thought of him walking away from AEW is kind of, I mean, unthinkable. Uh, but but there it is. It happens at WrestleMania season, so certainly uh, a lot of buzz about whether he uh, ends up in WWE. Uh, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on the matter in, in a moment. What's your take on um, Cody leaving, and uh, what do you what do you suspect is behind this decision? I just, I mean, when you say unthinkable, I mean, it, it really is. Although although nowadays, like with what happened with Triple H and WWE, that was another unthinkable scenario. So I'm afraid to even use the word unthinkable. But right. <laughs> the funny thing, I mean, people have to remember, not only was Cody Rhodes instrumental in the creation of AEW, I mean, from a causal point of view, I mean, it's he almost was the 
primary reason sure. that it came into existence. I yeah, mean, yeah, when you go back to uh, All In, right? All In, right? Baby, yeah. And not only that, but all the other members of the of the so-called elite, you know, the Bucks and Omega and all that, like he kind of was the leader of that group. He was the most well-known to American wrestling fans, to casual fans. And um, he was the top man. And I just feel like there's going to be really interesting books and documentaries made about this this period and everything that's been going on. I mean, clearly there's been another struggle going on behind the scenes here. I saw people saying that, and this kind of makes sense, that you know there may have been recent things like CM Punk and Brian Danielson, but more so Punk, that may have been like, you know, last straws for him. I think he felt like he was getting sort of lost in the shuffle, and he was. Um, his The fans had turned on him, and I think any idea of people speculating, oh, this is some very elaborate and brilliant kind of heel turn that he's doing, which I thought it might have been. I don't think it was that at all. I think it was what exactly what it seemed to be, which is that he had completely lost control of his public image. Um, I think he probably wanted more money. I think there was just a lot going on. And it certainly couldn't have been an easy decision to make for exactly the reasons that we've said. He's also got his reality TV show deal and everything. But but look, when it's like I've said here before in other places, when WWE wants you bad enough, they're going to get you. It's just a question of how much are they willing to offer. And if they want you bad enough to give you whatever number you want, they can do it. And so, I mean, it looks like that's where we're headed with this. So, see, I don't know if I'm that convinced. I mean, obviously, the timing would suggest that. And I think there was a, a report that I saw in The Observer earlier today that essentially there have been talks before he announced uh, his departure from AW. He did take a meeting or a phone call, but 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 there's been some communication with WWE. So I certainly would not rule out it and, and maybe uh, even expect that they'll do business. You know, whether that is um, I mean, t- you mentioned the name to me, the match is Triple H, right? Uh, uh, Cody and, and Triple H at WrestleMania makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you could do that now. I mean, I don't know what, what Triple H's um, I health situation done. is right now. I, I think I, I'm ten, I'm leaning to think that he's basically done with wrestling. Yeah. Again, never say never. Yeah. Um, and, and look, you could, you could find other matches. Uh, that said, I'd have a hard time believing that he is ready um and look, I, I don't want to be uh, naive or, or a mark about anything, um, but but I still think that WWE is antithetical to his vision of pro wrestling. Now, um, f- for the right price, will he do business? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and he'd be a, a fool not to. I mean, to get potentially a seven-figure payday to work at WrestleMania and maybe a few other uh, uh, shows— uh, but I just don't see him going back to be part of that machine, um, full time scripted promos, creative that that he wouldn't believe in. And I think at the end of the day, um, WWE would would certainly do business with him to uh, you know sign him away from AEW essentially and and have a big newsmaker. But I don't. I still don't think they see Cody Rhodes as a star and. Uh, Less so now because you can make the argument that he wasn't even in a, a, a star toward the tail end of his uh, AEW run. You know, I, all that said, um, 
I, 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 you know, I think Cody is uh, one of the 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 really smart minds in pro wrestling, and I I can see this less as him pitching a fit and uh, just kind of being upset fans or you know booing him and wanting to leave and more. And this makes a lot of sense. Just thinking, you know what? It's probably time for me to take a break because um, as you touched on it, when you've lost control. Um, then what's the point of going out there? And I mean, I suppose he could turn heel or something like that. Uh, but we know, and, and Cody knows this from his own career, that absence makes the heart grow fonder. So uh, I, I could see him just kind of stepping away for a while. He's got a, a, a new child. Um, and the other thing is, you know, f- from the Go Big show and the reality show, he's probably also got a little bit of the the Hollywood bug of, of uh, uh, you know, being involved in show business without taking bumps and maybe has some opportunities, you know, he wouldn't be the first guy. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 in a way I understand him, uh, uh, stepping away. I'm not buying that, you know, Cody Rhodes is back in WWE, uh, full time. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I just don't see that in the tea leaves. I think even if he does go there, he will eventually be back in AEW. I, I, I just think, think so, yeah. that's inevitable, whether he goes there or not. I just can't imagine him, you know, the, the motivation to want to leave in my mind, I can't think of, I mean, you mentioned like maybe trying acting or whatever, but I can't think of anything that makes it plausible to me as to why he would walk away. I mean, he had an EVP position. Yeah. I just can't imagine he's just leaving just to essentially do nothing or just to like regroup or figure things out. That's why I think like WWE is the most likely thing because it would be the strongest motivator. And I mean, even though, like you said, he left there because he felt like, you know, he's being mishandled. Um, I think that he did something. I don't think he intentionally set out to do this, but he did something that a lot of wrestlers have done. And most recently, you know, people like Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and even going back, you can, you know, look at a lot of wrestlers who did this in the in the old days where you go away, you go somewhere else, you raise your value. And then you come back and you're a bigger star than you were before. I mean, even though, like you said, it didn't quite work out in AEW like he wanted, he did become a much bigger deal than he was in WWE, number one. And number two, even just by virtue of the hugeness of the story of him going to WWE, I think gives him a large amount of momentum to come in there if they handle it the right way. Now, I do think that, you know, uh, it's it's a very petty company and their their motivations can often be very political and it's very very possible that even the idea of bringing it in bringing him in if they do the the plan could be essentially to just eventually just bury him i mean it could yeah, be yeah. we're going to give him enough money where he can't say no and then we're going to feed him to roman reigns and send him on his way you know i mean like things like that could happen and he could wind up finding himself actually more devalued than he was when he got there. So he's got to be careful about that if he does go there. But I, I'm I'm guessing it may very well have been one of those scenarios where you have a deal put in front of you that you literally cannot, if you have any brain in your head, turn down. But, but that deal, uh, um, I wouldn't think, would be a full-time, 
time wrestling deal. No, I mean, no, I don't you, think you it would from be. what, what I, I'm guessing was a very stressful situation for him, not just on the wrestling end, but but being an EVP and uh, the the reality show, even though it's one of these kind of augmented reality uh, shows. Uh, but I do think it gave you a glimpse of of the stresses of of being an EVP. Uh, and and I can believe that, that had more to do with this decision than, than anything. It's just and, yeah, and maybe he just didn't want it. Stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I I can believe he just wants to kind of take a break. And in that sense, WWE could fit in well if it's a few matches, right? And you know, you had these these Saudi cards. I don't know how interested you know the Saudi Arabian government would be in in Cody. I'm sure they, they'd rather have his dad. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah. and they might still think he's alive. Uh, right. Well, right. They um, want him to wrestle Ric Flair. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the, the point is that that there are certainly opportunities in WWE in 2022 for the quick payday, right? I mean, uh, yeah. a few matches. But, uh, you know, he hasn't even had to travel all that much for AEW. And right. WWE kind of back on on the um, the house show loop and certainly with, with Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-views, uh, you know, he'd, he'd end up going from one stressful situation to potentially a more stressful situation. Yeah. So I I just don't see that happening. But yeah, I, I could see the payday. I can imagine. I mean, I would almost think that it's possible that he may have gotten a Brock Lesnar type of a deal, you know, where he's just treated yeah. in, in a special I way. Don't, don't see him as, as a, a Brock Lesnar. That goes without saying. Right. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's a great headline. I mean, this in some ways, and, and I think absolutely WWE would look at it this way. Who, who is more sort of uh, connected and uh, a link to AEW than, than Cody? Right. Uh, and, and you can't leave, you can't leave that part of it out too. I was just going to mention that he is a conduit and that's another possible thing. Cause we've heard about their interest in people like MJF and even Jade Cargill and, and, uh, um, you know, um, Britt Baker, right, and so he could facilitate things like that too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, that's an interesting uh, take that I, ha- I hadn't even thought of. I mean, what if the interest is um, n- not just in an, an on on air role, but maybe kind of the role he had in uh, AEW, but over in WWE? I mean, that'd be fascinating. But yeah, this this is speculation. I- I'll just take a moment to say um, I think Cody is fantastic. Uh, I, He's probably, since AEW launched, been my favorite wrestler uh, to watch. I, I think when he was doing his best work, he was just inspired. I, mean, I, I think he was kind of the the picture of what a babyface uh, should be and, and had those glimpses of uh, his dad. And, you know, nobody could kind of, like, touch on emotion and inspiration in a promo like Cody, um, whether he's talking, uh, you know, and and he would explore issues again, not unlike his dad, of race, of of fatherhood. Um, you know, he he'd tear up. It, it was really something. And he took uh, feuds and programs with uh, people like Sean Spears or Anthony Agogo. I mean, these were not household names, and uh, uh, made them special. Uh, and I just thought he did fantastic work. I thought he got a raw deal, not from AEW, but but from fans. It just became kind of the the, the thing to do, sort of like with Cena years ago to boo Cody. And uh, I, you know, frankly, I think it kind of sucks because uh, Cody's awesome and deserves better than that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's like the, the what chance back in the day. We'll, we'll get into that in a moment, too. But sometimes you just lose control, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, so, so while we're still in AW, uh, a couple other uh, uh, things to touch on. Uh, Keith Lee uh, shows up uh, last week. Uh, you know, they've been hyping a big signing, and I guess that's it. They say others are on the way. Jay White also uh, shows up. Uh, what, what's your take on, on how much of a difference either or both of those guys uh, can make? Keith Lee, uh, you know, w- one of the, the things, for better or for worse, that AEW's gotten some criticism since they launched is not having uh, a person of color or people of color uh, in that top mix. So you'd think there's there's an opportunity there in in a guy who's got the size and the pedigree um, and some charisma and name recognition. I could see him getting elevated fairly quickly. Um, and uh, Jay White, I don't know what the arrangement is there. I don't know if he's just kind of stopping through. Um, um, but uh, I've thought for years Jay White is a hell of a talent, has that kind of X factor, a, a real kind of cool look and uh, a wrestling style so uh, but i think jim Cornette said something about this uh not exactly a household name so no. um um i think AEW still has to you know kind of temper that you know they might have expected a, a bigger reaction than they got i mean there's there's a certain kind of fan who knows who who uh, jay white is but um a lot of other people are going to have to be introduced to right i don't think he, he he would have the same immediate impact with fans as a keith lee um, even if he might be a bigger star internationally, which you could argue that he is, but from, from an American wrestling fan point of view, um, that is not the case. You know, Keith Lee had that WWE platform, which is invaluable, you know, just uh, in terms of re- name recognition and being perceived as a star. And you also have the whole storyline, which is a real life storyline of how badly he was mishandled and what a waste of talent it was and, and the raw deal that he got. And so there's a natural redemption story there. It's perfect. And, you know, I'm not the first one to say this, but he came out there and had that match on Dynamite. And he got more over in five minutes than in an entire year of of WWE screwing him up uh, when they called him up from NXT or whatever else they were doing with him. And so, you know, I think... He has to, you know, to quote Jr. on things like this. He has a tremendous upside. Uh, I, I think he, he really has a lot to offer. Um, I, I was very excited to see him. He looked great in there. You know, they let him be himself, and you know, people have also said he's relying more on kind of like the traditional big man power moves and things like that. But when you have people like that to get in there and sell for you and bump for you, I mean, that's the way to go. You know, it's like Brock Lesnar doesn't need to do a moonsault, even though Brock Lesnar can do a moonsault. You never see him do it. Right. Because that he doesn't need to, that's not his style. So, I mean, I thought he was great. I think he made a huge impact. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing more from him for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the things it, it makes me think of, this is um, not a, a new problem with WWE. This goes back 40 years, right, uh, is that they've always, Vince McMahon's always had this penchant for when when you get a guy who um, um, had some success in name value outside of WWE, there's always this inclination to tear him down, you know, rebrand him, change it up. And, uh, he, you know, not that Keith Lee was some huge star coming off the independence, but he already had an act, right? He already had an act that was working and is and is why he got on WWE's radar um, to begin with. And then, you know, he, he, he honed that some in NXT, but when he gets called up, like Killer Cross, like so many, it's just like, let's call him Bearcat, let's change his gear, let's do all this stuff. And, um, you know, I think back to Terry Taylor or... Um, 
Kerry Von Eric, the Texas tornado, you know, it's been going on forever. Sure. And and, and the one thing that uh, I think is great about AEW, and I think this goes with both Jay White and, and Keith Lee and, and pretty much everybody else they, they signed, is that like when they appreciate that they have this kind of like ready-made act. It's like, we don't, we could just put Keith Lee out there and let him be Keith Lee. And that's, that's a major strength of AEW and sure, of absolutely. Tony Khan's approach. Cause he's, he's so much the antithesis of Vince in that regard. And he's willing to just say, okay, this guy has momentum. People know who he is. Let's use that. We're not going to throw it out the window. So he's taking the, the other approach entirely and it's it's very uh satisfying for fans you know it's like because wwe is pretty much the only place where they do that and i mean allowing guys to use their names and things and not feeling the need to you know rename people even cody in one of his last great promos over there he referenced the gunther thing and how ridiculous it was that they're how they change people's names and everything so i mean it, yeah, I mean, more power to them. They, they, that's really what fans want, I think, more to see. And it benefits the company as well, too, because even if you have a casual fan base with WWE who may not always know the backgrounds of these guys when they come in, it helps for the performers if they're doing what works for them and what they know works and what has worked for them, then they could get over all over again the same way they did before, you know, and if they're allowed to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's shift over to WWE. And again, I mean, so much has happened since we we last talked, um, beginning with the Royal Rumble and uh, obviously setting the table for for WrestleMania. We've got Ronda Rousey back. We've we've got basically the um, the the top matches at at WrestleMania in place with with Brock and uh, Roman Reigns and Ronda uh, and Charlotte. Uh, we've got a new WWE champion in um, Bobby Lashley uh, winning it at the Royal Rumble. Shane McMahon came uh, came back and and disappeared and uh, <laughs> got a lot of heat for the Royal Rumble along the way. Uh, but of all these, I mean, I don't know if if, there, if any are uh, bigger than the news. Um, I don't know how much of it's news. I guess at this point it's still sort of rumor, but certainly there's a lot of um, uh, evidence in WWE TV that there's something to it of uh, potentially the return of uh, Steve Austin. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you remember when when we recorded the podcast uh, on WrestleMania night last year uh, and I was in Tampa and and knowing that it was in Dallas, I said then I think they have to move heaven and earth to get Steve Austin to wrestle at uh, uh, WrestleMania this year in Dallas. Um, my uh, uh, pick was Roman Reigns. I mean, I think and, and I still think that's a bigger match than anything they can do. Um, I. I imagine there's a lot of, of factors why and 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 in case people don't know that the rumor is Kevin Owens, uh, you know, I guess that makes a lot of sense in that he'd have to deliver an actual match in the main event slot with Roman Reigns and with Kevin Owens. He could probably get away with doing um, a lot less. You know, you could do uh, a lot of kind of smoke and mirrors and and just hit him with a stunner and uh, that's it. But but. But what do you think of this? You know, uh, the if if that's not WrestleMania worthy, uh, I don't know what is. And, and obviously, um, there's been some talk that, that the tickets uh, haven't exactly been kind of flying off uh, the shelves for for WrestleMania, um, especially with two nights in the biggest uh, arena in the country uh, to fill up. They they need an attraction, and and even Brock and Roman and Ronda um, weren't enough. H- how much of a difference do you think Steve Austin can make? Well, I have two two big thoughts about this. One is 
again, you want to talk about unthinkable. Like I can tell you from, from firsthand experience that, you know, the reason people have never seen Austin in the ring again since 2003 is that is his choice 100%. And I mean, he had that really nasty neck injury that he never really fully recovered from in 97 with Owen Hart. And he, he had surgery and he had all kinds of treatments for it. So he could, so he could keep his career going for a few more, more years and try to, you know, really capitalize on the moment, but eventually caught up to him. And he was told by doctors, at least at that point, that one really, really nasty shot to the head, like a whatever it may be, a chair shot or landing on your head or whatever at this point, and he could be paralyzed. And that news basically just sobered him up to the idea of ever wrestling again. And I mean, he has been 100% against it. So, I mean, obviously a lot of time has passed now and, you know, things change, people's opinions change, even sometimes health situations change. So, I mean, anything's possible. I never thought I'd see this, but it's possible. The thing about it though is, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about it at WrestleMania. And, you know, I think this is one of the times where we, we disagree a little bit because as much as I would love it to be something really amazing, my, my concern is this. Um, I think sometimes we forget how much time has passed, you know, cause we're older wrestling fans and the wrestling fan turnover is, is quick. Like it happens every few years. And I feel like unlike somebody like The Rock, who is in our popular consciousness and he's never gone away and everybody knows who Dwayne Johnson is, unlike The Undertaker, who stuck around and did his like yearly appearances, unlike Triple H, again, who would have his big comebacks and he, he put himself on TV all the time, Austin has not been out there to the same degree. And I think even though he was bigger than all of them, and I would say even The Rock in his heyday, I think for younger fans, for fans that weren't watching at the time of his heyday, I don't know if the name carries anywhere near the kind of weight that it needs to. I think he's much more of a nostalgia type of act now. Even Goldberg has more name value, I think, now because they keep throwing him out there. So, I mean, do I think that they could make something special with the right creative and putting him back out there because he's so incredibly talented especially with promos and things that they could do something really special. Yes, absolutely. Especially, I mean, Kevin Owens is also incredible in every way in the ring and outside. I think that could be special. I think even Roman Reigns could potentially be, but I think it's going to take a little bit of work. I don't think it is a 100% gimme slam dunk. I, I think there really has to be a case of making sure the fans are, back into it again you know because i mean this is we're talking it's been 19 years since his last match and so there are people that are in college right now who are wrestling fans who weren't even born when that happened so i mean i'm i'm cautiously optimistic i guess i i think you you make a, a lot of good points and, and and you're right i mean i i, I do think that wwe can't be so pre presumptuous um as to just say Steve Austin's going to wrestle at WrestleMania um, and, you know, let let the ticket sales uh, come in. Now, now now we sell out. You're right. I think I think it's going to take a little bit of work. I think there's some time um, to do it. Um, it. You'd have to have a, a story. I I think it helps that it's in, in Dallas. Right. Um, and that it's WrestleMania. And because it's WrestleMania, both for the fans that go to the show and the, the fans who um, buy the show or, or will check out the show on 
on Peacock. The point is to tap into that uh, lapse fan, that mainstream fan, that older fan um, who hasn't watched. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, yes. of fans who, who watched 20 years ago and don't know who Roman Reigns is and they don't know who Kevin Owens is, but they know Steve Austin and they know it's been a long time that Steve, since Steve Austin uh, has wrestled. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that, um, you know, they go and sell out uh, AT&T Stadium uh, back-to-back nights now uh, at all. Uh, I, I do think that he he moves the needle. How much remains to be seen? Uh, I'm also, I, I again, I, I wonder what this will actually be. I mean, is, is this a full-fledged match? Is it going out there and, and hitting him with a stunner? I, I even wonder if this they announce it ahead of time or they do kind of what they did with um and this was awful i hated it uh with with the undertaker and john cena years ago i remember in uh, uh, new orleans where you know they didn't commit to it and they just sort of teased it teased it teased it up until it was in the ring um that night and then it was really no match at all it was uh you know two minutes and and that's it so uh, I, I wonder if that's it. I mean, is, is it, you know, uh, a stunner and a, a beer party and, and not much else, which would be disappointing? I mean, we've seen that from from Austin over the years. That's not really all that new. We knew that Austin was going to be involved in WrestleMania somehow. He's been all over the videos. Um, so uh, but it's super intriguing to to see what um, what Steve Austin can can do. And, and I think it's fascinating that. Uh, you know, if there ever was a time, it would make sense that this is the time in Dallas and all that. Uh, but also really interesting that that it's Kevin Owens. I mean, it it makes sense in a way in, in that he, he may want to be in there with somebody who could um, essentially carry him. Right. And and uh, Owens is a, a hell of a talent and idolizes Steve Austin. So um, I don't doubt, you know, the. The the other story that came out some weeks back is is uh, Owens resigning for uh, I think three years and he he was a, absolutely a guy who you'd think would be um, a good fit in AEW um, so I wonder how much of it this had to do with it I mean I wonder if this was yeah. actually part of the negotiations right yeah and you know you make a good point about the idea of attracting lapsed fans I hadn't even really given that a lot of consideration but you're right I mean there are there are definitely older fans who who may tune in to, to a WrestleMania with the idea that Austin's wrestling. I, I could see that. And, and I think the Owen part of it too, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the Owens thing is partly, I'm imagining somebody like Austin can really kind of pick his spots to a certain degree. And the impression I get, cause I watch a lot of those broken skull sessions that, yeah. uh, you know, when he had Owens on there, you could just tell that he's one of the guys that the current guys that he has a huge amount of respect for. And he may have even said, that's the guy I want. You know, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if this is the beginning of of kind of a um, a little bit of a run. You know, you, you've still got, we know that the destination for Roman Reigns is The Rock uh, next year. Uh, but between now and then, you, you've got a lot of time to fill. You've got a lot of big shows, um, SummerSlam and, and otherwise. Um, I, you know, I, I wonder, you know, because it could be a situation where, Yes, you could do Roman Reigns and Steve Austin, and it would be, you know, the mother of all matches at, at WrestleMania, just short of The Rock and and Roman Reigns. Um, but you also don't need that at WrestleMania because just Austin returning on, on his own is a big enough deal, is a big enough attraction. So maybe do you save it? So 
Uh, I'm just curious, you know, how, how much of this is actually going to be a, a little bit of a run? And, and do we maybe get Steve Austin and Roman Reigns at, at SummerSlam or something like that? And what about Brock? There's definitely that's been teased in the past. Brock. Brock. I can't see that. I mean, you talk about neck issues. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would keep him. Far, There's no far just no him. German suplexes allowed. That's yeah, all. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't see that. I mean, I, I think you can craft a match with Roman Reigns that is relatively safe. Yes. Um, you know, and this isn't at all a slight on 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 Brock, but it's just the the kind of style he works no, you're is right. not compatible with trying to protect the neck of a guy who's pushing sixty. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so, um, but Steve Austin looks fantastic. I don't know if if you know uh, you've seen him. I think when he had his uh, other reality show, sometimes you'd see, and I think he's posted like pictures of social media. Uh, he, he's in fantastic shape. Looks great. You know, it helps that he lost his hair. You know, thirty years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's sort of like Goldberg, right? I mean, they, they, he still basically looks like what he did uh, twenty years ago. So, um, in between, if if this is it, right? So Austin, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Brock. Uh, uh, Ronda Rousey. We even talked, haven't talked that uh, about that much, but 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 that's a big deal too, certainly um, for for mainstream fans. Ronda and Charlotte. Um, it, I'm guessing Becky Lynch and, and Bianca Belair. Um, whatever else. I mean, do you throw a Goldberg match uh, in there uh, somewhere? I think Goldberg and uh, you know, not to armchair book that much, but but I'm guessing Roman Reigns beats Goldberg uh, of this this weekend, but. There might be an opportunity there. I mean, um, to to set something up. Uh, it sounds like the talk was Seth Rollins and Shane McMahon, which is just bizarre. That's out the window with with Shane leaving. Seth needs an opponent. I think you could do a Seth versus Goldberg, and that's the kind of match that Goldberg can win, right? And and could be an attraction uh, and at WrestleMania, um, and whatever else uh, is in there. I guess Bobby Lashley needs. Uh, uh, a world title match at WrestleMania. I'm not exactly sure who that would be, whether I would have said Big E at one point, but that's a whole other conversation of what happened to Big E. You know? Oh, God. Yeah. So far down the cards now. Just deflating. Um, not only yeah. back in the new day, but not not even winning, you know, just getting jobbed yeah. out to yeah, like yeah. the that's new real, team. Yeah. They're in that like Road Warriors versus New Age Outlaws position now, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that that again, just a few weeks ago, the thought was Big E will be in one of those big matches at WrestleMania, but but that's, that's not shame. tightly now. I know because um, so, the the match he wanted was Goldberg. He was always very vocal about that, and it looked yeah. like it could actually happen. And I would like to see that. And you but, still could. I mean, maybe maybe they do that. You know, um, and 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 because he he uh, idolizes Goldberg so much, maybe he's the thing with Goldberg is he can only lose so much. I mean, it's, if if you're gonna have him, right? right. I mean, if, if if he's on the payroll and and he is a needle mover, right? I mean, he 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 does make a difference, um, but but he's got to win some. Everyone yeah, he's he's currently he's like the highest paid jobber of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, if if you do that, I think Goldberg's got to go over on Big E, and I'm sure Big E will be happy to do it. Uh, but but all that said, what do you think WrestleMania is looking like? I mean, this, uh, uh, I I, th- I think it's looking pretty strong. I mean, stronger than the last last couple of years, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities. And we also haven't even broached it, but it goes without saying that, you know, even though you might be skeptical and other people are skeptical, if Cody is headed there, yeah, there, I mean, that's going to get – there's no way they're not going to try to plug him in for WrestleMania. Especially what do you think the match is? 
Well, my understanding is because of the nature of, I guess, his contract being up and everything, and I don't know if they don't have the same kind of non-competes, my understanding is that he could show up anywhere he wants at any time. Like he could, he could show up on Raw on Monday. Like he could do anything at this point. So, I mean, if he, oh God, I don't know, man. I mean, the first thing that popped into my head was Roman Reigns when I first heard it, that, that they would put him in there, which by the way, I cannot see him winning unless, you know, that was part of the lore to get him to come in that he could end Roman Reigns' title reign. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I mean, uh, that's the, that's the big one that, that pops into my head. I know you mentioned Triple H, but I just don't, I don't see that happening only because of the Triple H situation. I also think the other reason why I'm leaning towards Cody coming in is because very similar to the Shane situation before he self-destructed in record time, I think <laughs> Triple H being out of the way is motivating a lot of people that were enemies of his to try to say, hey, now's my chance. I could actually have a chance there. And we know that, you know, Co there was no love lost between Cody and Triple H again. So so that may have been part of it, too, of him going like, wow, if I ever was going to go back there, this would be the time to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the the match. And and you, you think back to was it I think it was at all in was it all in or what was it? the um I think it was the first Double or Nothing, right, which is the the, uh, the first AEW show where he uh, took the sledgehammer yes. and set up the, the throne uh, and all that. So that's been this kind of long simmering uh, storyline, which has also always had kind of a a uh, professional kind of tone to it. Right. So um, it's it, it sort of like this healthy competition with each of them representing their respective uh, brands. I'm sure Triple H, if he could would be up for doing it. I think Cody would be up for doing it. It feels like a WrestleMania uh, attraction. Again, I don't know the logistics uh, of it with Triple H's heart condition. Uh, I don't even know if there is a heart condition. We know that there was uh, a, a heart episode. Um, do, have you heard that he's pretty much calling it a career because of that? Well, I, I can. I feel comfortable saying this now. I didn't want to say it at the time, but I know this sounds really crazy, but but stick with me on this. But I, I uh, am friends with somebody who is friends with a nurse at Yale New Haven Hospital. And I was literally with this person when they got a text directly from their friend at Yale New Haven saying, hey, somebody from named Paul Levesque just got brought in here and he's had a heart attack. And that was the term that they used, not cardiac event, but yeah. a heart attack. And, um, it was him. It turned out to be him. I didn't say anything cause I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't want to look like an idiot if this is, you know, but it was him. And so, you know, I feel like it's, it's part, my understanding is they're saying it's a congenital defect. We also know that, you know, he's put his body through a lot over the years that could damage your heart. And, and he's also been in an incredible amount of stress. Um, I just think that, if he is ever going to wrestle again, it's not going to be anytime soon just because his, I mean, he had an honest to goodness heart attack as far as I yeah. know. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. Th that said, we, we know what his mindset is. We, we know he loves wrestling. We know um, he, he has said he doesn't think that he's done. I, I, I know he floated the idea for, or, or I think it was AJ Styles that was kind of courting him for, for a long time um, to work WrestleMania. And it's sort of always been in the back of his head, but hasn't been able to do it. Um, you, and, and there are relatively few matches that 
you um, insert Triple H into, and it's sort of like, I don't want to overstate it, call it a dream match, but uh, Cody and Triple H has, uh, uh, I think, a lot of marquee value. And uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, uh, but again, we're getting way, way uh, ahead of ourselves. But yeah, I think WrestleMania is uh, uh, shaping up. Uh, you know, the the funny thing is, again, it, does, it doesn't sound like, you know, they're moving a ton of tickets. So uh, for for all these attractions, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the building looks like. I mean, last year in Tampa, they obviously got a pass because there were still uh, capacity restrictions, but um, they've got 100. As I understand it, they essentially have whatever it is, maybe it's not 100, 80,000 tickets to sell on two nights. And um, do you think they get there? What, what do you think it looks like over those two nights? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I think they will get there. I really do. I, I mean that. I think they'll get there or they'll get really damn close where like for all, for TV intents and purposes, it's a sellout. I just think it's going to be a much more gradual process. I mean, we're used to those days where these kind of big shows, they would sell out in hours, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And I know actually that's what happened with All In, but um, which was also in a very big place. But I think that I think they'll get there. It's just going to be a process of slowly adding these attractions and trying to build the anticipation because look, part of it too, as we've said, is it's gotten so self-sustaining now that the actual WrestleMania name itself is a very powerful draw that a lot of people will go sight unseen just because it's WrestleMania. And so I think as we get closer, there's going to be more of that and, and they will fill it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last one, again, a little bit of an older headline. Uh, we touched on it. Shane McMahon, I mean, that was just sort of bizarre. He he um, he comes in. It, it sounds like he had a hand in um, putting together the Royal Rumble. I think he, he's kind of been the scapegoat for some of the criticism. Uh, I, I thought it was one of the worst Rumbles I can remember. I mean, just, just boring for uh, a whole lot of it. Uh, that said, he apparently he's booked some some other recent rumbles, including a couple of pretty good ones, or, or at least had a hand in them, um, including I think the one uh, where uh, Brock was running through everybody, and then then Drew eliminated him, and that was a a really fun rumble. Um, but I guess the rap on him was that he was just kind of uh, trying to get himself over too much, and he made his uh, return on Saturday, and I think by Monday he was uh, gone. <laughs> Um, well, what do you uh, make of that? And, um, you know, again, go, you, we've said this a couple of times today, uh, never say never. But there are people who are wondering whether, you know, we see him show up on Dynamite. And right. uh, uh, Tony Khan sort of addressed it, just saying, you know, he'd take the call. I don't know if I seriously believe that that's a, a possibility. I don't think I do. Uh, but But what do you make of all this? Well, I don't think that'll happen, but, but, uh, I mean, it looks like he just got really overzealous and I have to say, honestly, I I've known him in the past. I've worked very closely sure, he was with your boss. Him. Yeah. He was my boss, like my direct boss, not mm -hmm. like my boss's boss. He was my boss. Like he did my performance reviews and, you know, and I've always heard that sometimes he could, you know, have some elements of his dad's personality and be kind of. Uh, have some arrogance to him and things like that. I've heard stories, but I mean, he always seemed to be the most kind of, kind of down to earth and like, you know, non-dysfunctional member of that family. But so, I mean, it, it sounded uncharacteristic to me, but 
the more I, I was thinking about it and just seeing what was supposed to have happened, it just one thing I did know is that he and Triple H did not get along for sure. I mean, he he took the fall essentially for the failed invasion angle, which I've talked about before. Triple H and Stephanie basically pushed him out of the line of succession and he wound up with an office job that he didn't want. And so now I, th- I think he just got overzealous. He saw an opportunity. I really believe with the Triple H thing happening and Triple H being kind of dethroned to say, here's my chance. I'm going to get my spot back and I'm going to get back to where I need to be, which is anybody could have told him is clearly delusional, but you know, he he obviously wouldn't have seen it that way. And I think he just went completely off the deep end, trying to throw his weight around and assert himself and, you know, be the, you know, the big dog or whatever you want to call it. And he just rubbed everybody the wrong way and just took it way too far and, and had to be sent home. I really think that's essentially what happened. And, and as far as AEW, I mean, God, I mean, I know I, I make jokes and things, but if you want to cut yourself out of a sweetheart of an inheritance, <laughs> that is the way to do it. And I think what kind of a fool would yeah. do that? I just okay. I just cannot imagine. I mean, no matter how mad you are, no matter whether you have a place in the company or not, you're still a McMahon. You're still part of that family. I just can't see him doing that. That is, I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? That is like scorched earth you do yeah. something like that. I mean, that is dead to me, you know, kind of a scenario. And I just don't see that happening. I, I don't see he's not that dumb to do that. Yeah, nor do I think Tony Khan would be all that interested in it. I mean, it's, it, it, that just doesn't feel like Tony Khan or AW to, um, uh, you know, it just they're just sort of different universes. And uh, again, I, I don't doubt that Tony Khan wouldn't mind, you know, having a ch- even just a fan in him, you know, chatting with with Shane McMahon. But it just uh, I, I don't know who benefits from any of that. So I, I don't see that um, happening uh, at all. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if the talk was and it sounds like that, that uh, uh, Shane was angling for essentially a, a world title match at WrestleMania. I mean, that's just bizarre to me. I mean, if, if and I don't know if that's true. Uh, it's very erratic, like when yeah. behavior, it just seems so strange that that he thought all of that was going to work. I mean, man, I I don't know, like. I just didn't I wouldn't have expected that from him. I really wouldn't have because I, I really thought he had gotten over a lot of that stuff. He actually can be a very kind of laid back, mellow kind of guy, almost like the impression that you would think. Um, so, I mean, man, he really must have gotten a bee in his bonnet to borrow an expression <laughs> to set him on a warpath like that. I can't even imagine it. But apparently that's what happened. He he does always get the big pop when he comes out, and I imagine it's in, intoxicating, and um, maybe it could give you a kind of false notion of your place in in the company. It's like yeah, yeah. The, 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 he he look the guy again. He he's popular. He um I remember to his uh was 2015 uh or 16 when he he came back after. Oh that. yeah, that was big. Uh, oh huge pop. Um, uh, I'm sure he'll he'll always remember that, and um, you know. But but he's he plays a certain role. I think fans are okay with him doing having kind of that attraction match at WrestleMania where he falls off of something. Uh, but but um, you know him challenging for a world title, I think that would just kind of breed resentment. Uh, uh, last thing on, on WWE, uh, which I'd almost for, forgotten about, uh, they they posted their first billion dollar year, right? I mean, so uh, I, I think that was the story that came out twenty twenty one 
their most profitable of all time. And um, yeah, they made a billion bucks with a B. Uh, you know, we've talked about this many times. It's sort of like, it, 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 it almost, it's hard to reconcile that right. uh, this this product, which, uh, and again, I think it in some ways it, it's better, uh, I think almost for sure, objectively, it's, it's better than uh, the depths that it was a couple of years ago in kind of the height of COVID where Seth Rollins is ripping Rey Mysterio's eye out and, <laughs> um, you know, Braun Strowman and uh, the fiend are battling in a river, you know, th to me, that was the bottom and it's better than that, but it's also just sort of uninspired. Uh, it, it, it's just, um, it, there's not a lot that kind of gets you, you go in, but for, and, and some of that's changing. Roman's always fantastic. I mean, his, his work is great and, uh, there are things to get, uh, excited about. Uh, but again, at, at, when you look at 2021 as a whole, it was fine. And there was some good stuff, uh, but a billion dollar a year, it, it, it speaks to how much uh, the business model has changed, right? And not only that, the other thing I think of with that number is, and this could just be perception because uh, everything was made so public, but I'm pretty sure that this was the year where they also fired more people than in yeah. any other calendar year. And those two things are so uh, incongruous and it, it actually makes me kind of angry. You know, it's just like yeah. you're raking it in and you're just frivol frivolously chopping all these people and 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 cutting expenses. And like we've said, the only reason that would even make sense is that they're trying to sell because if they're not trying to sell, it's just completely naked greed with no other explanation for it. Um, you would think that this would be the time when they their hiring would be as liberal as as ever, you know, and that's the opposite. Yeah, yeah, but right. I mean, not in the spreadsheet, they want to be able to show that they're sort of lean and mean. And um, yeah, I, I wonder if if they have an opportunity to make that kind of money again in 2022, because the first half of 2021, they were still very much in kind of the the uh, Thunderdome uh, era where they were keeping expenses way, way down. They weren't touring. They uh, were taping out of the same place uh, every week. Uh, the second half of the year, they kind of got back on the road. So, um, and and as you touched on, you know, so many heads rolled that 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 all helped their their bottom line. Uh, but, it, and the other kind of part of the story is at the same time that, that they're, you know, they made a billion dollars and, and that obviously has everything to do with uh, rights fees and Peacock and, and all that stuff. Uh, and not so much where fan interest is. Um, the word is that Peacock is hemorrhaging money, right? I mean, they're 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 really struggling. Uh, so uh, we, you saw on, on the Super Bowl uh, these ads for for Peacock that focused heavily on WWE. So um, you know, it, it's fascinating. I mean, for for all kind of the insiders um, talk about WWE struggling, they are still very much a hot commodity in in. Um, in, in their world because of what they bring to the table, which is, you know, kind of sports like live programming every week, um, just content. It seems like they're hot and popular with everyone except for <laughs> fans. wrestling fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Um, so we'll see uh, what, what 2022 has uh, in store for them. Uh, all right. We're just about an hour. We covered a, a fair amount of ground. You know, one little thing uh, that I want to touch on, and we'd have to spend more than five minutes on it, um, but uh, the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. 
Um, actually, there's another thing I might want to bring up with you while, while I've got you. Uh, <laughs> the ROH uh, Hall of Fame, uh, which, I, again, everybody wants to have a Hall of Fame now. Uh, but but I do think there's enough history there that this is worth doing. And uh, the inductees they've mentioned so far, uh, Briscoes, Samojo, and Brian Danielson. That sounds about right to me. What, what do you think of that? Is there anybody obviously missing? Well, I mean, I think it's cool because the, everybody knows how influential they had been and how much they produced a lot of future stars. I mean, y- you mean like for the first year or or just? Yeah, I mean, you, th- they really could expand that. I don't know how big sure. they're going to let. I don't know if it's going to be a yearly. I don't think it's going to be a yearly thing. If there was one well, class yeah. and it was, uh, I don't know, 10 people, who else should be in, in that class? Well, you know, I wonder sometimes if they would look at somebody like, a Seth Rollins or slash Tyler Black, just even more because of the the high profile that he has in the industry, you know, and if he would be allowed to attend something like that, it would make it a big deal. You know, somebody like that might be cool or, uh, CM or Punk, obviously. yeah, CM Punk, well, CM Punk, uh, Cesaro, like those kind of people that maybe, you know, obviously they went on to do things that eclipsed their ring of honor career, yeah. but they're major figures in the industry that got their first big platform there. You know, that might be one, one Imagine way to look at it too. Another name I think of, yeah. But I, I think they basically have it right with, um, Bris- if, if you could only get three acts in. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, th- I'm fine with those, uh, uh, being the three, uh, last item. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked about the NWA, a uh, uh, word over the weekend that Matt Cardona beat um, Trevor Murdoch for the NWA title. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I remember seeing uh, Cardona giving a promo where, at, see, at first I thought it was a shoot, but then I realized that he had the match with um, Trevor Murdoch coming up where he was completely just burying the NWA as being this totally, not only out of touch organization, but talking about how much he, even as a kid, he hated it. It was, you know, WWF was so much better and it just looked so low rent and cheesy. And, and I, and I think he might've been on busted open or something. And bully Ray looked like he was ready to like reach through the computer and like choke <laughs> him out. And then of course I started thinking, Oh, okay. No, he's just trying to build heat for that match with Trevor Murdoch and, and make people hate him. The same thing. He, it was the same playbook that he did with GCW where he was mm-hmm. saying exactly what he knew would make the fans of that promotion hate him the most. Um, I think it, it's definitely a, a, a better move than Trevor Murdoch was, but yeah. I feel like it's definitely feels like more of a publicity stunt, you know, because he's got a lot of, of like, of kind of heat with everything he's been doing lately. And especially on the indie scene and reinventing himself. It's a smart move. I, ju- I don't see him as a long-term champion. I don't see him as like a Nick Aldis kind of a thing, but I think it's a smart move. They need something that's going to keep their, the, you know, people interested in what they're doing because they they've lost a lot of uh, goodwill. And and I think they've already announced uh, him and Aldis for the title at a show coming up. Um, so I I wonder if this is where Aldis gets the title back. I want ah, you yeah. you got to think that's the end game. I mean, I can see they, that. Yeah. Do they take a few matches to get there? I mean, I I think that would be fine. I mean, stretch it out over a a, a few months. Uh, but uh, Cardona is kind of a fascinating figure. I mean, he he uh, sort of like Cody uh, years ago, a guy who, uh, but also sort of the the opposite, because because Cody became a name by sort of rejecting um, all things WWE, and Cardona sort of playing into it and and uh, em- embracing the the part of WWE that fans resent and taking that with him 
and um, kind of cashing in on it, which I think is really smart. So uh, in, in that sense, yeah, he's like sort of, you know, the antithesis of Game Changer and the antithesis of uh, NWA. And in because of that, the perfect guy to have that title. Um, so uh, at least for a short term. So, yeah, I mean, I think Aldis and Matt Cardona for the NWA title is probably as marquee a match as they can have right now. Yeah. And, and you know, he's, he's a hot indie commodity right now. He's mm-hmm. not. You know, because a lot of the people that they've got in the NWA, they're they're talented and they're and they're and they're they're great, but they don't have a lot of cachet outside of the NWA. Right. And I feel like Cardona is is definitely a good example of somebody who's got like some juice on him. You know, somebody good to bring in there who's a free agent that they can bring in. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, that's it for me. We'll cover uh, Impact and, I don't know, whatever else in the next episode. Um, so thank you, Brian. Uh, as always, uh, uh, real quick, anything you want to plug? You mentioned the podcast. I know you got the book coming out soon, too. Yeah, so the book is Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real-life story of wrestling's original Sheik. It's the first biography of the original Sheik, <clears throat> Ed Farhat. And actually, there's been a lot of attention happening with it this week because I was on the Jim Cornette experience. So... Um, I talked to Jim for about an hour and a half on that show all about the book. And I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't even know what to say about how grateful I am that, that he had me on there and did that with me because I mean, the profile of the book is like skyrocketing it as of right now, it's the number one wrestling book on Amazon and it doesn't even come out till April 12th. So wow. you know, pe- people can pre-order it there. Um, it'll be out, like I said, April 12th, but you can pre-order it now and, and uh, you, that that'll assure that you get a copy and that they don't run out of them. Yeah. Well, good for you. Happy to hear Thank that. Thank you. Uh, okay. And um, I guess that's it. Uh, uh, now let's listen to uh, Brian. Thank you. We'll do it again soon. Uh, let's uh, listen to uh, Kevin McElvaney's uh, recent interview with former UFC heavyweight champion and the uh, founder and proprietor of Bloodsport, Josh Barnett. You have a long history uh, with. MMA with catch wrestling and and for that for that matter with professional wrestling. So what originally made you a fan of pro wrestling, you know, going years back? Well, I mean, growing up as a kid of the eighties, uh pro wrestling was huge stuff. And it not only was it the kind of thing that was very popular, but it also speaks to uh, anybody, anywhere, you know, even if you don't speak the language on the screen, you speak the language of physicality, you speak the language of, uh, of seeing people overcome and, and fight and, and struggle. So it's, it's really easy to digest for one thing, but, uh, the idea of watching these larger than life, Titanic heroic figures on screen was just mesmerizing to me as a kid. And, uh, um, I just, I've never lost that that reverence for it in that way. And then getting even deeper into what professional wrestling is and where it's from and its roots, it just made me that much more intensely in love with it. So now you're uh, – you didn't start Bloodsport, but it's it's become synonymous with you. And, I mean, not just because it bears your name. Um, I've been told by multiple people now that you really take a hands-on role in these shows. It's not you just lending your name to it. Uh, what do you look for in a blood sport competitor? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know that there was Matt Riddle's blood sport, but I consider that a different show. 
That's yeah. that's something else. And you, I think it's pretty obvious to see that there's a difference between the, my first show and, and the, the show that preceded it. And we're not we're we're only similar in in having the name Bloodsport for the most part in the No Ring. But uh, um, for me, I look for hmm, it's not just about whether or not you have shoot skills of some sort at all. It's it's got more to do with that. It's got more more to it than that. It, it's um it has to do with whether or not I think that you can go out there and 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 deliver in, in a way that blood sport requires. And that means you gotta be able to be more concise, be tighter with your movements and and really be in the moment giving it your all. Give it you know, not not just waiting for the next thing to happen, but constantly and actively engaged in in fighting the whole time um and then of course sometimes just uh personal flavor you see someone and and you think like wow they they seem pretty badass or they got something about them i think that that i could i could put on display here and show to the world and you know for one thing taking guys like chavo and and uh and uh and Santino and saying, Hey, I know how you guys think of these people, but why don't you look at them this way? You know? Um right. maybe you never knew this, but they're they're capable of way more than you ever you ever thought. So the most recent event, which uh, as we're as we're talking here just a few days ago, uh you faced Tiger Ruas. So there, there's a common common lineage there, the two of you. You have the, this shared master, and you, you talked a little bit about this on on Twitter. But could you tell our readers a little bit about that shared history and lineage, and and what that meant to you heading into the fight? Well, uh, Master Roberto Leitao Senior is a icon and icon in the Brazilian MMA scene from the side of Luta Livre catch wrestling and he is considered probably one of the patriarchs of the Huas Valley Tudo. Uh, Marco trained under him. Roberto Leitao Jr., his son, uh, I believe is the, is the man responsible for fi- founding amateur wrestling in Brazil, uh, which now exists as, you know, freestyle and Greco, uh, which competes on the international level. And even people like, uh, Tiger Huas's brother and my friend and old student and training partner Babalu all came and participated in, in amateur wrestling as before or as well as, uh, competing in grappling and, and mixed martial arts stuff. So when I got the chance to be, go to Brazil, I made it a point to spend some time, uh, training under Master Leitao and it was so, inspiring to see this old uh engineering professor still getting on the mats and just filled full of so much knowledge and techniques and the the respect that he he carried with all these professional fighters that he was working with and i got a lot of one-on-one time with him and was really appreciative for it and and last year he passed away and you know you, you can't keep everyone forever but i felt like this was a great opportunity to to put 
some recognition out there and to bring his name to the forefront and, and do so in honor by doing the thing that that uh that he's known for in the first place and that's going out there and and competing being in combat very cool uh so there's been this growing interest in this style that what's Bloodsport does. You can call it a lot of things. People, you know, might call it shoot style or, or hybrid style. Uh, it's showing up a lot of other places. You have uh, just last week, you had a, a UWF style match at a New Japan show between Shibata and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, you know, it shows up in the Indies. WWE had, of course, the Raw Underground segment, which uh, more than a few people pointed out looked and felt a whole lot like Bloodsport. What do you think it is? that gets people excited about this particular style of wrestling? Well, the first thing I just want to address is the, um, having copycats out there yeah, uh, only, only helps us. Uh, when people saw Raw Underground and everyone just started, <laughs> you know, going on there in social media and saying, oh, look, you ripped off Bloodsport. Oh, look, the, you know, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Yeah, it gets, it gets the name out there. Right, exactly. It was it was like that meme where it's like, oh, you know, can I get such and such? Can I get Josh Barnett's blood sport? We got Josh Barnett's blood sport at home, and <laughs> and, and people were like, Archie, doesn't that make you mad? And I, I just had to say, no, not at all. Uh, people see that there's money making potential in this, that this has has legs and is is something worth investing in. And if if someone with as much money as the WWE thinks it's worthwhile to uh, to knock it off, then that makes me happy. Um, and it only, it only serves to give us more publicity. And I think why, why, you know, beyond the fact that I, I think that on the indie level, I don't know, my general, my general, um, thought process is that they're doing it because they think they can use it as a gimmick to make them money, simply put, just kind of a carny way of doing it. But perhaps, it's deeper than that because, uh, I mean, I think it's very obvious to see that this kind of wrestling lends a lot towards the wrestlers themselves by stripping away all the other excess stuff and putting them out there in a, in a, in a very raw and open, un, unshielded space lets you really get to see who these, who these wrestlers are and what they're really doing out there uh, in these matches. Which I, I think is is why so many athletes end up in blood. They 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 show up in blood sport even just one time, and all of a sudden they're off in WWE, uh, New Japan, AEW, uh, and I think it's because you can get a better look at who these who these athletes are in the confines of the Josh Barnett's blood sport ring than you can in probably any other company just out there working as it is right yeah and i and i mean i talked to chris dickinson last night who, who of course had nothing but uh very uh flattering complimentary things to say about you um but he was telling me that he thinks there's this it's evolving the business but it's also this stripping it down and getting it back to its roots because really what we're we're seeing here is this highly realistic style that even when a match is you know quote-unquote realistic in a wrestling ring these days you know there's not this feeling of 
this is a real fight. Whereas this comes across as a real fight in a way that, you know, a lot of purists would probably say we haven't seen in decades. But would you agree with that? I would. And uh, if if it didn't, if that wasn't the way that it came out, then I'd be doing a disservice to all my mentors that brought me and and raised me in wrestling. Um, It, it makes it difficult to find the right talent because there's plenty of people out there. I'm sure that can do moves, but it's not just about moves at all. Uh, It's, you don't have everyone out there just working to their finisher, and so everybody is 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 watching a match, just waiting for the go home because now they know it matters. You have people watching these matches, just going, "I have no idea when this, when and how this this match could end," so I better keep my eyes on it. And uh, I love that. Um, being kept in in a bit of suspense is part of the the, the task of wrestling. If it becomes predictable, then I, um, I, I just, it's just like watching a, a bad movie. Right, right. Well, I mean, this is certainly a, has a lot of credibility right out of the gate through your being involved, but I would definitely uh, be remiss if we didn't talk about someone else who's been involved with this going back, you know, several years now, and that's Minoru Suzuki, who, of course, just such a significant figure in the world of uh MMA and wrestling really he 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 brings it all together this is a legit guy uh he's having this this kind of uh I don't want to call it a victory lap cuz that's the, I doubt that's how he sees it but he's he's over in the states now and and just you know doing a lot of things but I think one of the things people were really um looking forward to the most was the match he was going to have at Bloodsport the other day so could you talk a little bit about Suzuki's uh, influence, importance within the, the combat sports world at large? I mean, you can limit it to wrestling or, you know, I realize it's a big task. He's, he's a major deal. Um, he is a an example of, of gotchism and anokiism. He was trained in the New Japan Dojo. He came from a high-level freestyle wrestling background. He was on the Japanese uh, high school national team. Uh, he got to train under Noriaki Kiguchi, who was the founder of combat wrestling and a, and a catch guy himself, and then spent time in that New Japan dojo training under you know, incredibly tough, uh, solid wrestlers, and along with guys like Funaki and Liger and Takada and Maeda, then getting time directly under Carl Gotch himself and watching this this guy be a part of this movement of evolution in wrestling and eventually ending up it's not even the 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 revolutionary aspect of UWF but getting to Pancrase and right. now you've you've got a shoot fight uh, a full on shoot promotion that is essentially just operating under the rules of professional wrestling. And that's something people often are surprised about. I go, yeah, the rope breaks, the this, the that. I mean, it's just slightly tweaked, but these are the rules of pro wrestling. These are the open hand, all that. That's, uh, that's pro wrestling 101. Go, go read the rule book for the NWA back in the fifties. And it would look very similar. Mm-hmm. And um having him a part of this is, 
exactly as it should be. Um, he is the perfect guy for this stuff or, or one of the, the, those perfect guys out there in this world for this. And it's my honor to, to elevate him and to have him in this ring. Um, he is a, a, a brother of mine and I've known him for 18 years, 19 years, uh, going way back to New Japan and even getting to train with him in that ring back in the day. And, and us also having that same lineage and, and our feelings about pro wrestling that, that we really, that we, that we, we love about it and we want to, to bring back to the forefront, you know, things like what Gotch was teaching us, what Anoki was teaching us and, and these, these elements of, of wrestling that have been forgotten. Could you talk a little bit about, and I mean, getting back into that, uh, kayfabe mindset and you're looking across the ring because you've, you've faced him before. You had a draw with him back in, uh, 2019, 2019, I believe. Um, what's it like being across the ring from him and looking at this, this legendary figure in the, in the combat sports world? It's like another day for me. You know, I, uh, for, for someone like, like for people like us, Mm -hmm. this is just another night out. This is, this is what we're used to. This is what we grew up in. This is what we lived in. He's my, he's my, my senpai, but we come from all the same stuff. We, we traveled the same roads practically. And for, for him and I, we just, it's as it should be. It's just normal. This is just how we do it. This to us is we enjoy it. We're on point. We, we, we take things seriously, but this is just another night. And, you know, we know what we got to do and we have to honor and respect our, our, um, you know, our coaches and our mentors, but just let it out. Just let it, let it, let it go free flowing and, uh, and go out there and go to war with each other. And nothing else needs to be done. And, uh, you know, it's what I prefer to do. It's how I was trained to wrestle and it's how Suzuki is trained to wrestle. And it's just, uh, it, and, and honestly, it's really easy. It, it, it's really not difficult for us to go out there and do what we got to do. Now, would you, do you think we've seen the last of you against Suzuki? Could we see it in Bloodsport again or New Japan or, or anywhere else? Absolutely. I highly doubt it's the last time you saw of us together. I mean, it, we could even, who knows, maybe him and I will do a tag team. I mean, you just, you, you can't write these things off as, as long as we're still living and breathing and kicking and punching in that ring. Anything's possible. So I'm not sure how much of the show you were able to catch as it happens. I don't know if you're, you're running around trying to take care of different things. If you're, you know, looking at every second of it to, to, uh, to really take it in, but what did you see the other at the most recent event that really impressed you or who really impressed you? I was very impressed with everybody on, on the show. And that's, that's not just, uh, you know, to put out some trite platitudes, but, uh, I was really, really happy with, with everybody's, with everybody's matches, the intensity level. Um, I was very, proud and happy to have to be able to have my old student marina shafir under my wing again and to get her out there and to just have her be herself more than anything else um 
You know, a lot of the, a, a good amount of the, the, the athletes on the show actively train under me. So wow. it, it makes it easier to, to oversee things. And, you know, I, I felt like Masha Slamovich also showed a side of herself that I don't know that anybody's ever seen before that, um, a, a, a strength and an intensity that I, I don't know that she's been able to, to have, uh, on some of these other shows. Uh, some of it I feel like is she had an excellent opponent to, to pull that out of her, but also, um, that blood sport will allow someone like her to, to free herself from restrictions, uh, legitimate or just believed, uh, in another, in other rings. And, uh, I, I, it would be hard to be, happier with how, how things turned out because there's always going to be little little things where you can make improvements, ways that you can get better no matter what. But, uh, you know, overall, that show was just fantastic. And uh, Tom Tom Lawler and Alex Coughlin delivered in a way that I, I felt that uh, I always knew it would, but I didn't, but I wasn't so sure that the fans would know exactly what they were going to get because, you know, Coughlin's still a young lion, but yeah, man, being a young lion coming out, being from Shibata or from the New Japan Dojo in, in Japan, where, wherever you, you know, you're getting that training, I just, I, I, it's important that people understand that that's a different level. And when they see that, it's not to degrade or diminish it, anybody that, that, that's, that's not that. In fact, what it is is to show is to elevate the bar and to help others see things to, to want to push themselves to be better. You know, it's, it's not a us versus them thing. It's right. take a look to, you know, use this as inspiration or as a, a, a marker to, to show yourself or to inspire yourself to, to find your next gear and, and, and elevate who you are so that you get out in the ring as a better wrestler. Now, it does take a very specific, particular uh, breed of person to do this, like like you alluded to earlier. Um, I don't know how, like, I don't want you to tip your hat if there's anything in the works or whatever, but is there anybody who hasn't done one of these shows yet that you, like, a dream person to get and, like, I want to see what this person can do at Blood Sport? Uh, see what they could do? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I I would really like to bring Sugiara over here. Um, you know, he's an, he's a longtime friend and training partner and I've, I've coached and cornered him in fights in, in pride and, and, and what have you. Um, I would love to do that. I would love to bring over Tamara, but see, see someone like Tamara and even Sugiara, it's like, see what they could do. I already know what they can do. <laughs> they'll, they'll be awesome. Right? Yeah, They're already like ready built, you know, like it's, um, cause it is different. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I would be curious to see what, what someone like Jonah Rock could do in blood sport, you know, that a, a big yeah. serious monster that he is, or, uh, I don't know. You know, I've got a list of people that I keep my eye on and, um, I try to be very discerning and, and, you know, if I don't see exactly what I, I think I need right away, you know, keep, keep, keep looking and, you know, maybe, maybe in time they'll, they'll grow into it or, you know, uh, I have folks that reach out to me as well. And, uh, 
Um, even if, even if there isn't necessarily a spot for him now, my, my, my advice, my, my message is to always like, well, but that doesn't mean that there won't be one later. So, you know, stick to it, keep going at it. And, uh, and the, the more talent that's, that's available and capable, the better the things are going to be. And plus, in my opinion, um, being a part of something like this will only make you better in everything else you do. I think, you know, I, I, again, conscious of your time here, I want to let you go in a moment, but uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you. So PWI readers, especially like long time PWI readers, I think are going to hear all this. They're going to appreciate it. They know the, the lineage. I mean, they, they already know about you, frankly, they know, they know about the people you've trained with and, and competed against. What about, you know, maybe the slightly more casual, but still, you know, we'll call them like the smart mark wrestling fan who's used to this really high spot style, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they, uh, blood sport, like they've seen a clip out of context, you know, have, have not seen a whole fight and they're skeptical of it. What, what would you tell that kind of fan who, who deep down really is a wrestling fan, but they're used mm-hmm. to this, this other style. You just got to watch it. And if you like, if you say you like wrestling, then you have to, then I would say you, one of the things that that would include would be you like you like the athletes themselves you like the wrestlers you like what these specific individuals bring to the ring whatever ring they're in and if you want to see you know hard hitting action you want to see people well, I mean this is the hardest hitting action in all of pro wrestling by far and if you want to see people that are out there really giving it their all you know it's not they're out there for you know, 20 or 30 minutes just because it, it should be a long match, but they're out there letting loose with a hundred percent. And you, you're not going to see people trying to save themselves. You're not going to see people trying to, trying to milk it so much. Uh, you're going to see guys and gals just letting go. Like they're, they're really out there showing everything that is possible and, and really trying to, push themselves outside of their comfort zones and beyond. So uh, to me, that's, that's an interesting thing to watch regardless of where you're watching it. And, um, you know, I hope these PWI readers uh, are, are into this, you know, I've in all the years I've ever wrestled, uh, even when I was doing full tours in new Japan, I've never once made the PWI 500, not even number four, not even number 500. I've never oh, been mentioned. Well, I can only uh, speak for that going back so many years. I was not in the editor's chair until last year. I freelanced for a lot of years. Uh, but going back, I'm trying to – when did you wrap up with New Japan when you were there full-time? What was uh, – 2005, yeah, I so think. And then I, I wrestled uh, regularly in uh, IGF yeah. uh, throughout the years. And, yeah. Right, yeah. Um. I think when you were uh, with IGF, I was with the magazine, but I was maybe not in a (laughs) position of power. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass the buck there. Um, But I will say if you are competing, uh, you know, like we have these minimum requirements, like 10 matches or six over six months. I mean, we definitely need to keep an eye, especially if there's more of these blood sport events and you're, you're doing this more. We're, we're missed to leave you off, but as it stands right now, it's, it's purely like an activity thing. You know, Brock Lesnar comes and wrestles two matches. He's also not on the list, you know? So, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope that <laughs> placates you there, but no disrespect meant whatsoever. 
Uh, well, I mean, in any case, uh, if these these listeners, these readers, are somewhat unfamiliar with with bloodsport in a in, in a viewership sense, well, I hope that they tune in and, and take a look to see what we're doing, to see why we have so many people talking about what we're doing, why we've got wrestlers of 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 notoriety wanting and reaching out to be a part of this. You know, um, Moxley ended up on this show because he came to us and said, this is something I want to do. And it's that kind of passion that drives this, this show. And that's why, you know, we can get, we can get the wrestlers to, to step into this ring and give all that they got. And that to me, it makes me so incredibly proud and, uh, it's why I have so much, so much respect for, for the people that work my show and the show itself. Why it's so important to me. All right, Joshua. Thank you. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to get out there or, you know, promote? Oh, well, uh, we do have some limited edition. Uh, there's two different shirts for Bloodsport 7 uh, that you can get from my, my merch store on Kings Road. And, it's, uh, and you can also follow it through joshbarnett.com. But, uh, you know, these shirts are going to be limited to 20 in each size, and that's it. And a portion of the profits go to the wrestlers as well. And uh, they're pretty awesome shirts. And like I said, you know, this is this is once they're printed up and sold, that's it. We ain't doing more. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the name of the game. And uh, if you – want to keep up to date on all the things that I'm doing. And that includes blood sport. Um, just be sure to follow my social media accounts, Twitter uh, and Instagram is at Josh L Barnett. Um, I've got Josh Barnett official as a Facebook fan page. And then there are our, our blood sport accounts, uh, which are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, we're out there. There's so much noise and signal on social media, but uh you know, cut through it, come, come straight to us, retweet things, talk about it, engage with us. You know, we're here to, to grow what we do. And, uh, you know, that happens by having you guys be a part of it. All right. Well, th- thank you very much. Thank you.